0: Here's today's quote, quote, the highest result of education is tolerance. Long ago, men fought and died for their faith, but it took ages to teach them the other kind of courage, the courage to recognize the faiths of their brethren and their rights of conscience. Tolerance is the first principle of community. It is the spirit which conserves the best that all men think. No loss by flood or lightning, no destruction of cities and temples by the hostile forces of nature Has deprived man of so many noble lives and impulses as those which his intolerance has destroyed. Those are the words of author, activist, and disability rights advocate Helen Keller. Helen Keller was born June 27, 1880, in Tuscumbia, Alabama. She died June 1, 1968, in Easton, Connecticut, at age 87. And Keller led a very fascinating life. She became ill, possibly with meningitis, as a small child and lost her sight and her hearing. And she learned to sign using what are called home signs, and home signs I had not heard of prior to this. But home signs are unique to the individual and the environment in which they develop. So it's a form of sign language, but it's not a universally accepted form. It's usually very localized and very specific to the environment of the individual. And it's usually attributable to isolation from the broader deaf community. Imagine a child who is raised by parents who can hear, but the child cannot. And this is how Helen Keller communicated until she was seven years old. At that age, she and her parents visited various specialists in an attempt to improve her quality of life. And those visits took them to the Perkins Institute for the Blind and at the Perkins Institute for the Blind, she was introduced to a woman named Ann Sullivan. Ann Sullivan and Helen Keller became friends, companions, and remained that way for the rest of Ann's life until she died in the aftermath of a stroke nearly 50 years later. And Keller, of course, was there when Ann actually died, she said to have been holding her hand at the time. So this was a very close bond that the two held. And Keller became an outspoken advocate for disabled persons' civil liberties, which I'm sure you can imagine were not the strongest in the early 20th century. And she went on to actually become a founding member of the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU. Her influence extended to all of the American presidents, from Grover Cleveland to Lyndon Johnson. The former, twice being president, first in 1885 and then again in 1893, the latter being president from 1963 to 1969. Keller went on to become the first deaf-blind woman to earn a Bachelor of Arts from Harvard in 1904. And that same year, she published the book from which today's quote originates, called, called, My Key of Life, Optimism. Now, you can imagine the challenges that Keller endured, and how optimism would be one of the only ways to survive and thrive, given the challenges of her life. Imagine being just one of the two things that Keller was disabled, blind or deaf, never mind both. We talked about optimism recently. Michael J. Fox's quote from a few weeks ago was on this specific topic, how to remain optimistic. So here we have something very interesting between these two quotes, Michael J. Fox affected by Parkinson's and Helen Keller being deaf and blind. Yet both of them considered optimism to be the key to their life. Keller published a book by that title. And isn't that interesting? That the people who have the greatest challenges in their lives, challenges that most of us will never experience, and I hope that we never experience, somehow persevere through those things on the wings of optimism. Now, Keller's book, My Key of Life, chronicles her life to and through college, which is, of course, why education is central to the quote. And education doesn't just come from college. It comes in every form that you can imagine, that evokes growth. It is all education. So I'm going to read today's quote one more time, and then we'll explore it a bit. Here's the quote. Quote, The highest result of education is tolerance. Long ago, men fought and died for their faith. But it took ages to teach them the other kind of courage, the courage to recognize the faiths of their brethren and their rights of conscience. Tolerance is the first principle of community. It is the spirit which conserves the best that all men think. No loss by flood or lightning, no destruction of cities and temples by the hostile forces of nature, has deprived man of so many noble lives and impulses as those which his intolerance has destroyed. End quote. And I absolutely love this quote. Really, I do. It is one of my absolute favorites. You see, I'm fortunate enough to be fairly well educated. I don't speak multiple languages like Helen Keller did, but I have been to college and I have a few degrees to my name of which I'm very proud. I learned a lot in college back in the day, which I can say now because I'm in my late 30s, so you're allowed to use the phrase back in the day at that point, right? Now, my formal graded curriculum was in engineering, but far more than that, it was a social education, which, of course, I didn't realize at the time, but I do now. And I think I understand why. I think it's because as we enter educational spaces where our minds are open to learn, They don't just absorb what's on the computer screen or the board or in books, but their openness extends to all that is around us. And when you spend four years or more around the same people, growing up with them literally, you can't help but learn in proximity to them in the classroom, but also from them, as people. Colleges, in general, tend to be highly diverse. You have people from all over the nation, all types of backgrounds, all types of students, And nearly none of them have the same background as yours. And I believe that it's this, more than any highly charged political rhetoric du jour, is why college graduates tend to be more liberal than non-college graduates. They have diverse experiences that necessitate Keller's tolerance that she identifies. It's just simply harder to be racist, nationalist, tribalist, or jingoist after that kind of experience. And as I said before, this is not the only way to become tolerant. You can become tolerant through work. Oftentimes workplaces are very diverse as well, although not always. You can become tolerant through travel, visiting other countries, visiting other states or towns in your own country, and even through deliberate self-study. Once you're self-aware of the fact that maybe you haven't had the most diverse upbringing or maybe you haven't had the most diverse life experiences, you can actively seek those out. Reading and watching shows and films about other cultures and races and ethnicities and backgrounds can do this as well. And there's a word that I came across earlier this year that has been embedded in my brain ever since, and I think it fits nicely with today's episode. I've been trying to find a quote with it to add to this podcast, something I don't do very often. I don't look for a quote based on a word. But this word is a powerful one, and I like it, and I want to make sure that you get a chance to hear it. So... So despite the fact that I couldn't seem to find a quote with the word in it, I figured I'd talk about it here because it fits. The word is sonder, spelled S-O-N-D-E-R. And in my basic cursory research, it appears to have originated in 2012 on John Koenig's website, Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. It's an interesting website, and I recommend you check it out when you have a chance. And the word sonder is a new word, or a neologism. And Koenig defines it thusly defines it as, quote, the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own, populated with their own ambitions, friends, routines, worries, and inherited craziness. An epic story that continues invisibly around you, like an anthill sprawling deep underground, with elaborate passageways to thousands of other lives that you'll never know existed, in which you might appear only once as an extra sipping coffee in the background, as a blur of traffic passing on the highway. As a lighted window at dusk. End quote. And that word is so profound and accurate and important that I had to bring it to you. The very first sentence of the definition could stand alone as the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. Think about that. That's incredible. And it doesn't seem that some people ever truly get to the point where they understand this where they have a sonder. It's a noun, so you have a saunder, or you realize a saunder. And perhaps you've heard it before, or maybe like me, you hadn't. But this is really, this is tolerance, right? This is the first step to tolerance. It's very hard to tolerate somebody else, or tolerate another group, if you don't recognize their humanity. We've talked about before that one of the tools employed by people that are trying to create separation between groups of people. Think the Nazis in World War II. One of the first things that they did was dehumanize the Jews. They reduced them to a star on their clothing. They reduced them to names like Jew pigs and things of that nature. Defamatory, derogatory terms. It's why in every major conflict, think the United States in Vietnam or in World War II, they don't refer to their adversaries, as the North Vietnamese or the Japanese. They refer to them as the Red Army. They refer to them as Japs or other terms that I'm not going to use here on the podcast. It creates a separation between the humanity. And what Sonder is is the exact opposite of that. Saunder rejects the idea that another person's experiences are any less valid than your own. Your life is complex. Your life is hard. When you cut somebody off in traffic, it's because you've got someplace important to be. But when somebody does it to you, they're a jerk. They're selfish. They're rude. They're a terrible driver. Now, when you have a saunder moment, you realize that that other person has the same complexities and challenges, maybe even more so than you do. And that you, to them are potentially someone that they will never see again, they will never interact with again. But their life is valid. Their experiences, their... the happenings, the things that go on around them, the anxieties, the ambitions, friends, routines, worries, and inherited craziness, as Koenig puts it, all are valid, and just as valid as your own. When you start to realize that, you start to understand what it takes to be tolerant. When we realize everyone has experiences like us, we almost must be tolerant. How could we not if we expect others to do the same? That is the epitome of hypocrisy. And Keller highlights that if we don't, we can be led to destroy more than any natural disaster ever could. And she's right. Look at one of the most recent Embodiments of a lack of tolerance. The actions taken by a state, let's say. And by that I mean the invasion of Ukraine by Russia in 2022, which continues to this day. And I looked for estimates of the number of people killed, and it's very hard to get an accurate number. There are estimates, and they range anywhere from nine to 14,000. I've seen numbers even as high as 50,000. It's very hard to tell. But that's tens of thousands of people regardless tens of thousands of lives extinguished, both civilian and military alike, on both sides. Consider that in the same time span, it's been approximately 18 months since the original invasion, and we've had anywhere from 9 to 50,000 people killed, and that number grows every day. If we were seeing natural disaster numbers that high from either of those two countries, or the combination of those two countries, it would be earth-shattering news. So Keller's right. Our own intolerances can lead us to do more damage than any natural disaster ever could. Thus, in this one example, we see an intolerant Russia killing and being killed at staggering rates, and it's terrible. And the lesson today is plainly obvious. We must be tolerant. And if you find yourself frustrated and challenged to be that way, try try again. Educate yourself. Seek to be educated. Be uncomfortable. Education is often uncomfortable. Adapt to the world in which you live. Don't expect it to adapt to you. I have to adapt to the world in which I live. I can't expect it to adapt to me. That tolerance, that humility, that willingness to be uncomfortable, that learning that comes from that, will make the world a better place. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations. and Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.